Good morning, everybody. It's so nice to speak to adults um, for a change. Um, so I've had to lower the way that I speak because I need to speak a little bit more intellectually to them. Um, so I trust that you can keep up this morning. <laughs> um, I, I've been asked to start off the Advent season, which is a huge task for me. Uh, because Christmas is such a burden um, for me. In 1951, a gentleman by the name of Meredith Wilson wrote the lyrics to one of the most loved Christmas songs of all time. It's believed that he was sat in the top floor of the Grand Hotel in Yarmouth, Canada, far from here, overlooking a park called Frost Park, watching people hustle and bustle, walk around, when he wrote these words. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Everywhere you go Take a look in the five and ten Glistening once again With candy canes and silver lanes aglow It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Toys in every store But the prettiest sight to see Is the holly that will be On your own front door Awesome. So awesome. So very, very awesome. And, and this song speaks about the fact that for Mr. Uh, Meredith Wilson, he was starting to see things around him that were showing that Christmas time is here. And I'd like to know from you this morning, what are some of the things, the signs for you that Christmas time, Advent, is here? Maybe you can just shout out some of the things for you that you feel. When you see this, when you hear this, when you smell this, Christmas is here. Decorations in the shop, so that's around August nowadays, right? So Christmas is here from August. What else? What are some of the things? The music in the stores, oh, that's the bestestest. When Mariah Carey starts hitting those notes, it's time! Woo! My heart gets happy, yes. When, when, when your wife starts playing them at home, so for me, that was around the 15th of October, Christmas carols were on blast. It worked on every, and I think for my dad it was earlier, because we love Christmas. It's the bestest time in the year. The song speaks of the things that indicate Christmas is here. Shops being Christmasified with decorations, and specific items being pushed slightly forward in the store. Normally they're at the back. But for some reason, the toys start coming a little bit closer to the front. The electronics start coming a little bit closer to the front. I wonder why that starts happening. And for songs like this one and, the other, and another favorite, the Christmas song, it, it paints a picture of what the, the ideal Christmas looks like, at least to some people. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. I have no idea what that means. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. No, thank you. Yuletide carols being sung by quite, yes, please. And folks dressed up like Eskimos. Everybody knows a turkey and some mistletoe help to make the season bright. 
tiny tots with their eyes all aglow will find it hard yo. Right? Do you, do you see it? Do you feel it? Not for us so much, right? Because we don't have Jack Frost nipping at our noses. That is horrible. I experienced a white Christmas, as in snow, right? Um, <laughs> let me clarify. Um, I, I left Cape Town, and it was 30 degrees Celsius. I got to Norway, and it was minus 20 degrees Celsius. It was horrible. Absolutely horrible, because I didn't have clothing to match that weather. So my dad had gotten himself some proper thermal gloves, and he thought it was a good, let's go explore. Let's go walk around. We are here in Norway. It's a once in a lifetime, and all of us are shivering, and he's walking fine because he's got the proper equipment. Christmas must not be snowy. I'm not there for that. But if we're honest, this picture of what Christmas looks like on TV or in some of these songs is not what we experience Advent time. Advent time is busy. We, we're not yet in the Christmas period. We have so much to do, to plan, to prep, to organize, and maybe at some point, possibly on the 24th of December, once everything is done, we can sit down and get into what is called the Christmas spirit. As I'm sure you are aware, even by my clothing today, that is not a problem for me. I love Christmas. And my family, we are big on making Christmas big. Not necessarily on all the things, because we, we, we couldn't always afford those things, but we wanted to make Christmas special. So like I said, we've been playing Christmas carols for a few months now already. And not just playing it, playing it loudly for the whole street to hear, because they need to. We've got plans to make sure we put on as much pressure on ESCOM's system to run lights because we want to use every single plug point and all the multi-plugs to make sure that once we put the switch on, our light is visible, from our, our house is visible from space with all the Christmas lights that we are. It's, it's bad. In my home, we've been planning what Christmas lunch looks like since August 2022. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. It's not that bad, but it's quite bad. Um, so we prepare for Christmas. And the reality is whether you are a Christmas cracker like myself or a Scroogey Grinch like Andrea, because Andrea doesn't like the fact that I'm playing Christmas carols all the time. We'll pray for her a little later on. Whether you are like me that loves Christmas and is ready for this or you don't, Christmas is here. Can I get an Amen. Right? But the reality is, there are some problems with Christmas. So I put that up there. That's a picture I took of Andrea in the week. Um, <laughs> let's deal with some of the problems first. Jesus was not born on the 25th of December. Gasp. The concept of Advent started only in the 4th century. And it comes from this place where Christians in Western Europe observed a period of fasting, not very Christmassy, um, that started on the 11th of November and ended on the 6th of January. The reason they did that was they were fasting for the time of baptism, which would happen on the 6th of, of January. That was the day of Epiphany. So they'd fast for that long 
ungodly period of time. And that became St. Martin's Lent, almost to, to parallel the other Lent that happens just before Easter. Eventually, a combination of what was happening in Rome when they were celebrating the winter sol solstice or Sol Invictus. In other words, the night when the sun beats the moon or the sun meet, beats the darkness, beats the night in the northern hemisphere around the 25th of December every year. They would do that to celebrate the sun gods. And so some people decided it was a fantastic idea to take that concept where the longest night of the year, sometime the light of the world came into it. That's where this idea of Christmas came from. Jesus was not born on the 25th of December. I'm sorry to break your heart. And one of the things that they did over this time throughout history of what Advent was, was the first two weeks of the four weeks of Advent, they would focus on this baby coming in a manger. Coochie, coochie, coo. Aww. But for the other two weeks of Advent, Advent, they would actually focus on the fact that this king was coming again. Advent, Adventus, he's coming. Not just baby, coochie, coochie, coo, but ruling savior for the last two weeks of Advent. So that's where Advent comes from. And that's where Christmas comes from. The other problem with Christmas is that it's very, 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 very commercialized. Right? Shops are coining the fact that people like me love Christmas. Coining the fact that people like my wife loves Christmas. Pray for me a lot. And the focus of Christmas has gone away from either the baby in the manger or the king that's coming again to Black Fridays and specials and toys and presents and festivities and a lot and a lot and a lot of food. I come from a family. My cousin is there over the back. We used to have seven different types of meat for the mains. There was a starter of something fishy. And then there would be something, well, a susati curry, which is like a vinegar lamb Woo! And then there would be the roasts with seven, seven types of meat. Why? It's seven, but no. I was thin before Christmas. No. That's what Christmas becomes. So it's a problem. And the third problem with Christmas is that Christmas can be hard. When we think of family and friends who don't sit around the table with us, it can be hard. It can hurt. And sometimes Christmas is lonely and it sucks. And for some people, the, the pressure of having to keep up with commercialized Christmas just means that there is added financial burden. Christmas can be hurtful and it's hard. Wow, that's a nice way to start Advent. So then why on earth do we do this thing? Why is it necessary for us to even consider this? Should we be doing that? How in the light of these things, the fact that this is not actually when Jesus was born, the fact that the world has destroyed what Christmas should be, the fact that Christmas is hard, why do we even look towards it and celebrate it like we do. Because I believe Christmas is an opportunity to position ourselves to experience God in a real way. 
in a meaningful way. And it's an opportunity, as I'm going to explain in a bit, for God to use us in a meaningful way. I'm going to explain why. And we're going to look at someone in the story of Christmas who was probably most affected by Jesus coming. Mary. If there's anybody who has the right to be Ebenezer Scrooge or the Grinch about Christmas, it's Mary. Why? Because we often forget that she had to carry Jesus for nine months. For us, we celebrate Christmas for four weeks, and if you're crazy like me, it's a lot longer. But Mary had to sit <laughs> with this Jesus concept for nine months. It wasn't just a celebration for her. Eventually, she was the one who had to put up with the back pain and the swollen feet and the swollen nose and the, the, the fear that 30% of pregnancies at that time could end in death of the baby. She had to put up with the bloatedness and morning sickness and all those wonderful things that come with having a baby. Am I right, mothers? We don't talk about that at Christmas, do we? We just think four weeks later, yay, Merry Christmas. But it was nine months. And let's not forget that the angel was telling, about, telling her about the fact that her services were offered. In other words, the angel said to her, you are having a baby. She didn't say, okay, fine, let's go have a baby. No, it was spoken to her. And yes, she had a choice, but she also didn't have a choice because it was given to her. There was no prep time and organization. And in this time, somewhere along this nine months of having this thing growing inside of her, which she wasn't prepared for, she sang a song. Luke chapter 1, verse 46 to 56. And we're going to look at that this morning. It's called Mary's Song or the Magnificat, um, which is really awesome, and we're going to look at that. So let's read through it this morning. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abram and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. That's Mary's song. That's the song that she sang in the moments that she was experiencing heartburn <laughs> or morning sickness or the swollen feet or she was possibly not driving on a donkey because we don't know that she was, I was very upset by Bevan saying, was it Bevan? Yes, it was. That, that there wasn't necessarily a donkey in the story according to, I was, that messed up my whole Christmas story. 
But as she was traveling, these are the things that she may have been repeating in her heart and mind. And I feel that this morning as we look at this very, not very quickly, there are some things that we can take as we prepare for this Advent period, which I believe God is going to use in an awesome, mighty way. So let's look very quickly at some of the things that we see in the story. This seems like it should go without saying. But Mary's first response is to worship God. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Now in hindsight, to us who've seen the whole Christmas story and watched the movies, this makes sense because we know and we've seen who Jesus is and what he grows up to do and be. But Mary's reaction and her posture was partially based for her on a disruption. On a growing sense, literally in her belly, that God had done something miraculous. But if we look at Mary's story, we, we shouldn't be surprised. Because Mary had proven to be a worshiper already. This was just Mary speaking out, singing out something that she had practically done already, not just with the words, but with the actions. Because after checking a few details, which makes sense, after the angel came and spoke to her, she says, listen, Mr. Angel person, that's very nice, but how is this going to work? Because I'm still a virgin, right? You've said now that I'm going to have a, but how is this going to work? And the angel explains it, and immediately she acts out the definition of worship that we read in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. This 14 to 16 year old young girl, knowing the consequences of what's going to happen or could happen to her based on where she was in society, literally offers her body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Mary would have grown up in a poor family, as we know. She wouldn't have had access to the best health care for herself or for the baby. She could very well have lost her fiance. In fact, she should have lost her life. But she knew God, she knew his word, and she knew that she had received the word from God. So she was going to praise and she was going to worship and she was going to celebrate this moment no matter the natural outcome. I remember when myself and Taryn found out that we were having our baby and we were very nervous because we had experienced two miscarriages already. And so we didn't want to make it a public thing because we were scared it was going to happen again. But it was so hard to not do something about this because we were excited. And then we made it through our first trimester and that was it. I was done. I, was, I needed to tell the world. And so I made this video and I used even the story in Luke where uh, the baby was dancing in Elizabeth's tummy because we had a video of our baby dancing in Taryn's womb. And I remember leading worship that Sunday and sure, it, was, it was lit. I remember we sang, Lord, you are good and your mercies and cure forever. And the church was praying because we found out that we were pregnant. And it's easy to worship then. And then two weeks after that, we experienced another loss, and our baby was stillborn. 
And I remember we, we were blessed to be able to go away and just take some time out to grieve together, myself and Taryn. And we were laying in bed at Rockland's campsite and we had been crying. <laughs> Surprise, I cry. We were sobbing because we, we had built up hopes. We had built up dreams. He was going to play for the spring box. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then we were reminded of what we were singing when we found out that we were pregnant. And I remember we sang, your goodness is running after, is running after me. And while we were crying in bed, as Kirk does, he walks around with a speaker because I'm colored. And I put the speaker on full blast. And I played, your goodness is running after. It's running after me. And like I am now, I was sobbing my eyes out, trying to sing and singing very false and singing in between everywhere. Because what, even though in my worst moment, I needed to do was to worship God. Mary, in this moment, understands the dangers of what this baby could be. She understands that this could be the end of her life. That this could be the end of her dreams of getting married. She understands the dangers of what this may be. She may have even known at this point that the king was trying to get rid of all the babies. If she read the Bible like she did her Bible, she would have known that this was coming. But what does she do? She worships. My soul magnifies the Lord. And I understand that Christmas is difficult for people. I can't go through Christmas without thinking about the fact that I should have had three kids running around me, terrorizing me. But I can't go through Christmas without realizing that I need to worship this God who came as a baby to save my life, to save the world, to change my life. That's what Christmas is. And yes, it's difficult at times when I hear Mariah Carey sing, and I miss you. Most at Christmas time. It hurts. <laughs> but for me, I worship God. I need to celebrate Christmas because the God of Christmas doesn't change from what Mary experienced to what we experience today. I'm sorry. Not sorry for crying. <laughs> this is something we should always be doing. But there's something about Christmas that makes us experience the realness of Jesus. I don't know what it is. I can't explain it. But there's something about the fact that we can think about God coming down as a baby that impacts us differently at Christmas time. A God who humbles himself, laying among sheep and goats, feeding in a trough, in a feeding trough, sorry. A God that we know is, but would grow up to be king of kings and lord of lords. Sproul comments on this opening lines of Mary's song. And, and he explains this concept of magnifying God. And it's not that we can make God bigger. We can't. He's God. Nothing I can do that can add or subtract to his godlessness. But what we can experience is this, and I'm going to read it. My soul being so saturated by the presence of the divine 
and his mercy. Being so saturated so to the point that from my deepest part of my being, I need to exalt him. Christmas is an opportunity. Every day is an opportunity. But for some reason, there's something about this period that makes us experience God in this way. That our hearts can be so saturated, so filled up with his presence. That we can't but exalt him. So if we look at Mary's example, we should celebrate. We should worship. And we should glorify this God. Because for her, nothing was going to stop it. And nothing should stop us either. The awesome thing about this, and as it grows in her, is that true identity flows from true worship. Mary's song effortlessly moves from magnifying God to understanding as a result who she is and how she fits in. Verse 48 says, For... He has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. The reality is for Mary, as in her heart and in her being, she makes God big. She realizes that she can't be. She understands that she can't be big if God is number one in her life. So the fruit of her worship is both humility, but also true identity. There's something amazingly strange at how God works. In our world, in order to understand and find our identity, I work with youth a lot. And the reality is, in order to find our identity, we need to take time to find ourselves. We need to elevate our needs, our desires, and our passions. And we need to follow them in order to truly be who we are supposed to be. That's what the world is saying. How things should work. Mary's example is different. The more she magnifies God in her life, the more she exalts God in her life, the more she realizes who she is. And the next line says, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. This is not Mary bragging. Because if we carry on reading, we understand why she believes this to be true. Because the mighty one has done great things for me, she says. Holy is his name. But in, in worshiping and exalting God, she realizes that she needs to be humble. But as we know, James chapter 4 verse 10 says, Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. That's not for me to stand on a pedestal and say how awesome I am. But it's the reality that when I put God in his place, his love and his mercy and his grace and all of his goodness helps me realize just how loved and how blessed I am. I don't have to do anything other than just say, God, you are the greatest. God, you are the most amazingness. You are exalted and God shares his blessing with us. If ever there was a time that we needed to understand this, it's now. Take a look at comment sections on most Facebook and X posts and Instagram posts where there is any kind of argument happening. 
My opinion matters more than truth. My opinion matters more than what is right and what is good because I need to push myself and my thoughts and my ideas. That's the opposite of what Mary does. Mary exalts God and then she understands how blessed she is. Mary's song then shifts. And it says, as though, as though she's, while she's composing the song, having worshipped God and understood where she fits in with Him, she realizes that this gift that she was carrying has epic ramifications for the world. We understand that the immediate context of this first Christmas carol as it was, is a response to Mary's cousin calling her blessed and the baby jumping in Elizabeth's womb. But we understand as well that there's a larger context at play when she says these words. A context where people were living as slaves almost under the oppressive Roman Empire, longing for something from God in this period of silence and begging for this promised Savior. One of the most amazing things about the song of Mary is that in its composition, she samples 35 parts of Old Testament, of the Old Testament, including Hannah's song in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 1 to 10. She knew her Bible, in other words. This wasn't just a song that she had made up on the spot, which if she did, that was quite epic and quite cool. But she understands that this baby was going to be bigger than herself because she had spent time studying what God had been doing and was going to do. So this young woman would have heard the reading of scriptures at the local synagogue each week and week after week. And she'd, like she does, hidden those words in her heart. Because she knew that the Messiah was coming. And from verse 50, she switches from a personal declaration of faith to a prophetic declaration about what this moment would bring for mankind as a whole. Mary's carol was not necessarily fun and jollification like when you think about other carols that we sing these days, away in a manger, no crib for the dead. So sweet and cuddly, makes us feel warm inside. This song was a, a revolutionary song. To the point where during the British rule of India, the song, this verses were prohibited to be sung or preached in church. In the 1980s, Guatemala's government discovered these words and they weren't allowed to sing or say these words in the church because the government thought that this was going to incite violence. Similarly, in Argentina, um, during the dirty war where kids went missing, the mothers of the missing kids posted these lyrics around. And obviously the, the, the military regime outlawed it being displayed in public. Because it says this, He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. On the face of that, those are fighting words to a government. 
But she understood that this baby going inside a womb was going to shake the world out. And in many ways, turn the world the right way up. Not upside down. Because we often think that the way that we live now is the right way up. It's upside down. And this baby growing in Mary's tummy was going to turn the world the right way around. And that this baby was not just for her. Whether she knew or understood that this baby would be far more than just for Israel, we do not know. But we know and understand, having listened to Jesus speak and how he grows up and who he became, that he came not just for a certain group of people, but for the world. So what does this mean for us? Well, we are faced with a bit of a dilemma this Christmas. We can celebrate Christmas and go through Advent blindly or we can understand that this gift is not just for us. We can continue with the commercialized Christmas as it is and and the jollification and just get through it. We can understand that this baby is wanting to change our world. Turn it the right way up now. Like I said earlier on, there's something about this time and this baby Jesus in a manger that makes different groups of people open to him. I remember I I grew up in the Salvation Army and a big part of the Salvation Army at this time, if you've ever watched an American Christmas movie, is we do caroling and there's a little kettle and all those things and, and one of the amazing things that I experienced in my time of going and singing Christmas carols to different groups of people is that we, went, we were asked to go into Vangate Mall to sing Christmas carols. Vangate Mall has a mosque inside the mall. But the management of Vangate Mall asked us to come in and sing about the Christ child, Jesus, being born. Whether they get it or not, we need to understand that there's something about this baby that the world is open to. And it's an opportunity to share him with the world. So we can close ourselves off and just focus on the fact that they are stealing our Christmas trees. Right? Because sometimes there's more Christmas trees in the trolleys of our Muslim friends than our own. There's more presents and, and shopping. They celebrate Christmas better than we do. We can get upset by that, or we can realize there are people wanting Jesus this Christmas. And we can get upset at the fact that Boney M is again playing in the shopping malls. Right, Andrea? Or we can realize that this is an opportunity to sing, Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord at the top of our lungs and people aren't going to get upset about it because they like Christmas so let's make them like Christ we have an opportunity to share the truth about this baby this Christmas and we can focus on the problems of Christmas or we can realize 
the opportunity that this brings. And I know that that's scary. And I know not that not everybody is willing to go stand in a shopping mall and sing, Oh, Holy Night at the top of their lungs. Invite me, I will do that with gladness. But how can we be the light? People have walked in darkness, have seen a great light. That's us. And then we are called to be the light to the world. How can we display that when we are in the shopping line this Christmas? I want to be practical, right? How can we display that when we are doing the last little bits of the school year-end runs? When people are walking down the road. I'm not saying that you must wear a Christmas hat every day. You're welcome to do that. That's fine. But we are called to worship God. Mary laid down her life. What are the practical ways this Advent that we can prepare ourselves firstly to experience God in the way that Mary did? But also to help others experience God this Christmas. It's not about us. It's not about the presents. It's not about the clothing. It's not about the food. It's not about the decorations. Those things are lovely and I have no problem with them. But if we are not doing though the thing that matters, Christmas is meaningless. Advent is meaningless. The reality is we are celebrating a baby that came. But we need to tell a world about the king that is coming. And that's our job. So I want to challenge you as I end this morning and invite the worship team up to reconsider what Christmas is to you. And if this morning he is not the object of your worship, make him. If it's not in him and through the fact that we've magnified God, that we are finding our identity, then let's worship him the way that he deserves. And then we'll find our identity. And if we are not living that out, then let's start doing it. Let's not bury our head in the sands this Christmas. And not realize the opportunity that we have as followers of Jesus Christ to worship, adore, and share him with the world.